For the last half of the year, I've been working on a trail crew doing maintenance projects around the southeast U.S. One of the trail systems I worked on ran through a series of unincorporated communities that weaved throughout the forested hills of southern parts of Kentucky. It is one of the most rurally populated areas of the state. If we wanted to go to a Walmart, or any place other than a gas station, we would need to travel 40 to 55 minutes. At this point, we'd been in about three different districts of the state over the course of about six weeks, and had had quite a few strange experiences. This happened in October, when it was already starting to get pitch dark by around 6.30pm. We usually got back to camp at around 5.30, so by the time we made dinner and washed dishes, we were all wearing headlamps to see. After helping cook dinner, I decided to make my lunch while there was still light in the sky, and noticed that we were out of a few sandwich ingredients. I told the crew lead, and he said that we were also out of milk for cereal in the morning, and a few other random things. Me and my close friend, and crewmate, Laos, which is his nickname, volunteered to go to the store in Laos's car. He was the only person with a personal vehicle other than our ten-person van. I got a few bars of service at the camp, and plugged in the nearest Walmart, which was about 40 minutes away. We had just arrived in this district, so we hadn't actually gone shopping here yet. We do it twice a week as a group. There are no streetlights on any of the main roads, and we drove alone for almost the entire journey. We arrived at the Walmart, and it was extremely small. A tiny concrete cube shining in the artificial blue against a ridgeline of dark leafless trees. The small parking lot was fairly crowded, and a steady stream of people filtered in and out. We put our masks on, and we went inside. It became pretty clear quickly that they didn't have what we needed. There was no produce section or milk alternatives, and the only food was positioned bizarrely in maybe five aisles in the front of the store, that just said food center, and was mostly dry beans. We couldn't find a refrigerated section other than a massive wall of regular milk. We spun around the aisles a couple times, and we got some chips and a new lighter for the camp stove, but we couldn't find anything else that we needed. I was acutely aware of the fact that we were some of the only customers wearing masks, and that my big work boots were leaving little flakes of mud on the tile. As we walked up to the check stand, Laos realized he didn't have his wallet, and he wasn't sure where it was, so I offered to pay for his stuff. I said hello to the checkout lady, but I don't think she heard me, and the entire transaction went by in complete silence. We went back out to the parking lot, and spent about 20 minutes searching Laos's car for his wallet, digging through the trunk and opening all of the doors. We came up with nothing, and he concluded that he must have left it at the office of our organization where he had been the day before. We decided to see if there were any other stores nearby, since we were already this far out. We found some random local place. I don't recall the name, but... It was something like Marky's Market that didn't have any hours listed, and 
By this point, it was like 8 p.m. We doubted it was open, but it was only a couple minutes away, so we thought, screw it. It was still fairly crowded in the parking lot, and as we were about to turn out onto the main road, we saw a police car pull into Walmart. We'd had an encounter with the police a few weeks earlier that made both of our hearts pound when we saw the car, and it was made worse by the fact that Laos didn't have his wallet. I watched out of the side mirror for a minute or two after we had left. We were on the road for maybe five or six minutes before Laos took a wrong turn. I don't remember if he missed a turn or if he turned too early, but we both had the same thought that Laos vocalized. This is not the place to take a wrong turn. We slowed onto a gravel patch about a minute down the road that lay in front of a large property with a house tucked far enough back that we could not make out the details. There were piles of tires and rusty pieces of machinery and a barbed wire fence with a beware of dog sign. Laos spun the wheel and did a quick three-point turn in the lot until he was facing the short distance back to the main road. In what felt like a second's time, two SUVs whipped off of the main road down the road we had turned on and stopped to face us about 30 feet away. The precision with which they had arranged themselves... It was chilling. The first car slowed down and stopped against the shoulder of the road, and the next pulled up next to them, leaving maybe two inches of space between the two. Their noses lined up perfectly, and their brights were shining into our windshield. They had blocked over two-thirds of the narrow road. If we had gone any further, the road would have narrowed even more, and the width of the two cars would have blocked us completely. I looked down at my phone and saw that I had no service. I have never had this feeling before in my life. The only other time that came close was when I thought I was going to drown when I was 12 and got caught in some rapids. I had the very real thought of, I'm going to die right now. But this time, I thought I knew it would be violent. My entire body went cold. My heart was racing so fast, it felt like it was just vibrating. Laos's eyes were wide and his body was rigid. What are they doing? What the hell are they doing? I responded calmly that I didn't know, but that it was going to be okay. Maybe 30 seconds had passed, but it felt like so much longer. I looked to the right of where they faced us, and saw there was a small slice of road left clear to get around them. I told Laos to drive around them, and at first he didn't see the space I was talking about. My entire body was shaking. One of the SUVs let off the brake and rolled forward a few inches, and then stopped very suddenly. Laos pulled forward and carefully drove around them, and then sped up to 35 as we neared the stop sign that led us onto the main road. Laos sped forward as I kept my head turned toward the back windshield. They didn't follow us. We drove in silence for a few minutes, until we both just started yelling what the hell over and over again. I told Laos that I felt sure we were going to die together. He looked at me and very seriously told me that he felt the same way. 
The entire drive home, we tried to figure out why they had followed us. Had we driven onto their friend's property? Had they seen our out-of-state license plate and gotten suspicious? Had they watched us searching Louse's car and not liked the look of us? Had they followed us in Walmart? Had they been waiting on the side of the road? Were they waiting for a third person to seal us in completely? I'd watched the parking lot to see if the police car followed us, and I hadn't noticed anyone turning out or tailgating us to the road after we left Walmart. Why were there two identical SUVs with deeply tinted windows, different colors, caravanning in the pitch black in forest land? We've thought through every scenario, and each one is weirder than the last. We got back to camp, and we tried to explain what happened. A couple of people said that it might have been innocent, but I'd love to hear what you think. This story took place back when I was in college. I had a lot of friends that liked to party, and while I wasn't the type to like to drink or do stupid things, I was the type to make sure my friends got to and from the party responsibly. Basically, I was their designated driver. I would drive them to the parties, sit around, and drink soda until they were drunk off their asses and then drive them back home. It might sound like an incredibly boring way to spend your college years, but I honestly had a lot of fun with it. I'm not an incredibly social person myself, so just kind of sitting around and watching people make themselves look like idiots was my kind of fun Friday night. This situation occurred at one party that was particularly rowdy and had a lot of people I didn't know, which usually happened when the parties were off campus. I was there and sitting in the corner with my Dr. Pepper and talking to another girl that was completely trashed. She and I were having a conversation about my education, something that she seemed way more interested in than she should have been, when one of my friends comes over to me and asks if I can take one of his friends home and was insistent that it was just down the street. I usually don't play DD with people that I don't personally know, but I also didn't want this guy struggling to get home if he needed the ride. I reluctantly agreed and said that as long as my friend was vouching for him and that it wasn't too far from the party... I would take him home. I got up and followed him out the front door, and he shouted to some guy named Greg, telling him that I would take him home. They said their drunken goodbyes, and I walked over to my car, which I should add was a late 90s Dodge Caravan. After they were done talking and telling each other how much they would miss each other, Greg walked over and smiled at me, asking if this was the car. I told him that this was the one and got in the driver's seat. He, for some reason, opened the sliding door and hopped into one of the back seats. I was curious, but if there's one thing you don't ask a drunk person you're taking home, it's why they choose to do mundane things. 
He gets buckled in and I pull onto the road and then ask him where he's headed. He tells me an address that's about five blocks down the way. Literally a straight shot and only a few minutes away. As drunk people often do, he starts rambling about random things. He tells me that his name was Gregory and that he was named after his grandfather. He tells me about a dog he used to have as a child named Bucky and how much he misses him. He then tells me about his sister and how she runs a beauty salon in New Mexico and how he and his mother never really got along. This guy is literally telling me his life story within the span of a mile and a half. I pull up to where he wanted to go and let him know that we were at his house, just in case he didn't realize. And he just kind of sits there and stares at nothing. After a few seconds of really awkward silence, he literally starts to cry. Out of nowhere, he tells me that he's sorry. I have no idea why he's sorry. And I tell him that he doesn't need to be. After sobbing for a few moments, he tells me that I was the nicest person he met and that he was going to miss all of this. Once again, I'm just sitting here silently and he's telling me how much he's going to miss everything out here. He then tells me why he's going to miss it. He drops in with a, I'm going to go to prison for a really long time. I just kind of sat there and nodded. He, of course, continues. I made a mistake and accidentally assaulted my ex-girlfriend. So I have to go to court tomorrow and I'm going to go away for a long time. As he finishes telling me about what he did to her, he starts to chuckle and stare at me in the rearview mirror. He smiles and tells me that I kind of remind him of his ex and that he hated her. After a few more moments, he shrugs and tells me that he appreciated the ride and that we should go get lunch when he gets out of prison. I just agreed and nodded along until he got out and got into his door. As soon as he entered his house, I let out a huge sigh of relief. <sighs> the entire time he was staring at me and telling me about what he had done, I felt like I was holding my breath. This was the last time that I gave anyone a ride that wasn't one of my immediate friends. And I hope I literally never meet Gregory ever again. Intro. When I was around nine... I visited my aunt with my family because we had not seen her for a while, so we figured visiting her sometime would be nice. Just a quick side note, this aunt is from my dad's side of the family. My dad's side is super Christian. My dad didn't jump on this bandwagon, though. So, fast forward a couple hours of boring car driving. 
and we arrive. We talk to her for a bit, and since her two kids and husband are gone, because they were going to a Lego convention, my uncle is really into Lego, and his kids kind of follow him on that path. It didn't take too long for our little chat to end. Going into the church. After we had dinner with her, she asks us if we would be interested to visit the church that was across the street. The town she lived in was small, so things were kind of tidy, hence the church literally being across from her house. And we said yes, because we had nothing else to do. She smiles and grabs her church keys. She was part of the staff that worked in the church. The church was sort of a community building slash church, if that makes sense. And after a five-minute walk, we arrive and go inside the church. Now, around the time we arrived, it was already like eight, since we had had dinner pretty late, like an hour later than usual meeting the priest. Because it was night, the church was closed and only staff was allowed in there after opening hours. Reminder, this was a sort of community building. So walking in a closed church at night, with all but a couple lights on, it was on its own creepy enough. We arrive in the center part of the church that overlooks the organ, which looked really pretty by the way and we see that the priest is still there sitting on one of the praying benches, or whatever you call those. Our aunt approaches the priest, and the priest looks surprised since no one but staff was allowed to be in the church, so bringing family alone wasn't allowed. He doesn't make a big deal out of it, though, and actually seems happy, and insists on us staying, and for us to look around wherever we want the creepy encounter with the priest. My mom and dad said to us, and my brother and I, that we were allowed to explore the center part alone. This wasn't that big since this was a church cramped into a community building, so there was no reason for concern. My first interest was the room in one of the small side towers that you were never allowed into, so I went and checked that out. The priest starts following me and I figure he's just checking up on me to make sure I'm not stealing stuff, and so on. But he walks into the small room with me, and starts asking me these weird questions like, and I quote, Are you a virgin? I was around nine at the time, so of course I was. And that's also how I responded. I told him that I obviously was, since I was just nine, and he responded by asking me about my sexuality. And at this point, I started asking him why he was asking all these weird questions about my sexual interests. When first, I was just nine, and I had just met the guy. I didn't even know his name. He told me not to question him, and at this point he started touching me on my shoulders, and slowly walked behind me and started massaging my shoulders. I, out of fear, smacked his hand and he smacked me back on my cheek before grabbing me from behind and dragging me to this emergency exit in the room. Also, if you're wondering how my parents didn't hear any noise, nor saw any of this, they followed my aunt to this doping room because they had never seen one, and their interest was piqued. I struggle from the guy's grip, 
and get free. It wasn't too hard. The priest was an old man, around 60s or 70s, so he wasn't that strong anymore, and I run out of the room and head straight for the exit, trying to find my parents. Now, the exit was locked, of course, so here I was, stuck in the center part of a church with a creepy priest that wanted to kidnap me. I quickly ran to a random room on the left side of the hall, and this luckily turned out to be the doping room. And there were my parents. Confused, and of course they didn't believe me because I over-exaggerated situations a lot as a kid. I insisted on leaving the church with my aunt and parents, and so eventually my aunt unlocks the door, and we all leave. The priest, during all of this, returned to his praying bench and pretended nothing ever happened. I wanted to confront him, but I knew that no one would believe me, so I was best off just leaving the place as soon as possible. Return home. After returning to my aunt's home, we talked for a bit, but convincing my family seemed impossible, so I had to just accept the fact that they never believed me and... I bottled up my emotions. Conclusion and how I dealt with it. When this happened, I had struggled with it for a couple of days since it happened, but I'm not one to let these kind of things bother me too much, especially when no one believes me, and only me and the weird priest know what truly happened that night. As of now, I kind of forgot it ever happened, to be honest with you. I just kind of relived this memory so you, the reader, have something fun to read. Dear Creepy Neighbor, We have had three interactions now, and damn am I creeped out. The first time we met, you complimented me, which was sweet, but then I saw your eyes roam and you asked me if I had any hot friends. I told you no and you left, which was a relief, but that situation left me uneasy. I've seen you since while I was with my husband and you never do anything weird, but just last week, when I was alone for once, you tried to flag me down as I was driving out of the neighborhood. I ignored you. I'm not one to pull over and talk to men that I don't know when I'm alone, but that double take that I saw you do when I got closer lets me know that you registered it was me before you tried to flag me down. Again, with the uneasy feelings. And now, yesterday, as I drive out of the neighborhood to get groceries, I see you again. You're at the front of the neighborhood now, so quite a distance from my house and your own. You lock eyes with mine and wave. This is fine. This is normal. Now then, coming home after two hours of shopping to see you standing outside my house is not normal. The image is burned in my brain of you just creepily standing in front of my house. Literally, my heart dropped and I audibly said, What the fuck? 
The second you notice my car coming up the street, you start slowly walking, yeah, real casual, down towards the dead end. When I see you turn around early, I call my dad because I don't want to talk to you and I don't think he'll try anything if I'm on the phone. I literally see you hesitate when you realize I'm on the phone. You slowly walk past my house and pause at the top of my driveway. By this point, I'm already freaked out. I'm sitting in my car still because Hoop trying to get me and my baby inside with this freak hovering around my car. My dad is at this point having his fill of explicit words for me freaking out. Finally, after two minutes of hovering, creepy neighbor, you just start walking back towards your own house. But I see you stop a short distance away and look back. And when I eventually get out of my car, I peer over the hill to see you looking at me. You wave and then continue walking back to your house. I grab my baby and groceries and run inside. I lock the door and proceed to have a rolling anxiety attack. I feel so uneasy and nauseous. It's the next day and I'm peering out my window every hour. My husband joked that you might have found me online. Well, if you have, then maybe stop creeping me out. No one needs to hover like that and you're just creeping on my residence is not cool. Currently in the works of getting security system in place, but any advice on how to nip this behavior in the butt would be greatly appreciated. I've never had anything like this happen before. Not sure what to do or if I'm overreacting to the entire situation. I tend to go with my gut, and in this encounter, my gut has been screaming at me. So that, my friends, was a collection of four terrifying encounter stories. A huge shout-out and thank you to good personal friend and friend of the channel, 242, for being in this video. Huge thank you to her. Please check her out. Go sub to her channel. She's still growing. Uh, she just had her 242 sub special, and it was absolutely amazing. So go check that out, please. All of her links are down in the description below. Please check them out. Please show her some love. Let her know I sent you. Let her know you heard her on the video, etc., etc. You get the point. Uh, all that said, friends, thank you to everyone who got this far and everyone who let me use their stories. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please hit that thumbs up button. Hit that sub button and the bell icon next to it. You can also follow me on all my social media platforms. Let me know what you thought of the stories in the comments below. Or take it a step further and support through Patreon or Coffee or channel memberships. All of it optional. All of it greatly appreciated. My coffee shop actually has some physical merch now. So if you want stickers or stickers, or keychains, or stickers, um, go there, check it out, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, all that said, friends, again, thank you, 242, thank you to all of you, thank you to everyone, and I love you guys. I'll see you on the next video, but until then, sleep well.